this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code LEFT. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Young Turks, MarkFury.com, Throwing Shade, The Majority Report, The David Pakman Show, Activism from Best of the Left, Counterspin, The Media Matters Minute, All In With Chris Hayes, The Rachel Maddow Show, and Dan Savage. The president of Uganda is set to sign legislation that would punish gay people with a lifetime in prison should they be caught in any type of homosexual act or if they are uh, spreading any type of homosexual propaganda. Now, this is legislation that was proposed in uh, Uganda as far back as 2009. However, originally there was a portion in the bill that would allow for the literal murder of gay people by the government uh, if they are convicted of gay crimes. So uh, the EU has chimed in on this uh, as early or as far back as November of last year. And they have said that if laws like this get passed in African countries, they will grant uh, gay people asylum in Europe. So we'll see what happens. But Parliament was in favor of this, the people of uh, Uganda were in favor of this, and the president originally did not want to sign this legislation, so he had a panel of scientists research uh, gay people, and they said, you know what, since we can't pinpoint a gene that determines that people are born gay, it's a lifestyle choice, therefore we should throw them in prison for the rest of their lives. The part that pisses me off the most, well look, the, of course the thing that makes me the most mad is the fact that they passed it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, as if the situation wasn't bad enough for uh, gay folks in Uganda, it's gotten much worse. But are evangelical Christians going over there yes. and spreading the hate? Like They're like, oh man, the hate didn't work well enough here in the U.S. Maybe we can get it to work in Uganda. That's what really pisses me off. So let me tell you some really fascinating uh, information about Uganda. So Christian missionaries began traveling to Uganda from the United States as far back as 1979. And the reason why Uganda was something that very, very extreme religious people, you know, wanted to go influence was because the majority of the population, or I should say 50% of the population, is under the age of 15. They're extremely young and extremely impressionable. So you go into the country, especially when you're starting to lose your clout here in the United States, and you start brainwashing people. You start spreading this right-wing propaganda, and it starts to work. So that's why there's this widespread support for this type of legislation among its people. But at the same time, you know, you have evangelicals that are not only doing this in Uganda, they're going to other countries like Zimbabwe, Malawi, Nigeria, the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, and they're just spreading this ridiculous hatred. And really, as Americans, there's really not much you can do about it. You know, they know that they're kind of ruthless and they can get away with this, so they go ahead and they do it. And it's sick. It's disgusting. So uh, that would be the Christian thing to do, right? Uh, Jesus Christ would have wanted you to go to Africa and argue to kill gay people. Yeah, if you read the New Testament, that sounds like that might be just right. Yeah, so I, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be respectful, etc. And look, Jimmy Carter was an evangelical Christian. Are there good evangelical Christians? Of course. Is the leadership of evangelical Christians in this country twisted? And uh, I'm trying to say not things why, that are why not. Why are you holding back? Why are you holding back? Okay. If you if you are gonna go to another country 
with the purpose of trying to brainwash people into hating other groups of people and possibly killing them through the death penalty, you're a bad fucking person, okay? You deserve the worst possible treatment. You're twisted and disgusting. I can't imagine getting enjoyment out of advocating for the death or the lifetime imprisonment of someone because they're living their lives the way that they want to live their lives. They're not harming other people, okay? They're not, they're not choosing to live that life. And even if they were choosing to live that life, who cares, right? They, These guys claim that they are the most moral. Yeah, right? they're not. They're, they're the worse. least moral people in America. So next time you hear evangelical Christian leadership, okay, when you hear them, Understand that these are the sick sons of bitches going across the world trying to get people killed in the name of Christ. Okay, they're not moral at all. They're the exact opposite. When so when you know we have far look even I do it. You're right. I hold back sometimes because and the reason I do it is because there's a lot of good Christians who don't agree with this, right? And I don't want to paint with too broad a brush and 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 it upsets them as, as much as it upsets me. But at the same time, there's far too much deference in politics and in the media and all those. Oh, it's a oh wow, Christian leader. Oh, you must be moral. No, no. The assumption must be, given the weight of the evidence, that if you're an evangelical Christian leader, you're actually among the most immoral people in the country. So, like, we shouldn't give them deference. We should do the exact opposite. Like, ooh, we brought on one of these immoral people, but hey, even they need to have a voice in our uh, government, I guess. I mean, we are a democratic country, right? Good. Okay, so here they are and meet the press. But understand, these are among the sickest people in the country. Okay, that's how they should be presented. Of course, the exact opposite happens. Like, oh, priest or whatever the hell you are. Oh my God! He, and a lot of them aren't even leaders in their, in terms of being a pastor, or a priest, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They're just political leaders that love to spread hate all across the world. Congratulations. You know, when we talk about stuff like this, sometimes right wing folks get upset and they say, well, you, you know, no matter. I try not to. Mm -hmm. Uh, brush with too broad a stroke, etc. But you know, you, you're making it sound like all right wingers are like this. No, I told you a hundred times, it's not all right wingers. It's, but they are in your tent, and so why don't you throw them out of your tent, right? Why don't you say these evangelical Christians that went to Uganda and tried to get gay people executed? Uh, they're not with us. They're despicable sons of bitches. They're not right wing. They're whatever they are. They're radicals. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Now, I, all the time, Bill O'Reilly does segments. Oh, some commenter on Daily Coast said this. All liberals are guilty, right? That's a commenter on a blog. This is your leadership, okay? So prove me wrong. Kick their sorry asses out of your right wing. But you're not gonna do that because you actually love them. By the way, whatever happened to um, hate the sin, love the sinner? Right? Yeah. You oh. love them so much that you're advocating for their yeah. death. Hate the sin, execute the sinner is more like it. All right, Steve. Just real quick, uh, the reason why they're picking on Uganda and other places in Africa is because it doesn't work here. So in places where there's, uh, you know, education and enlightenment, all this religious mumbo and jumbo doesn't work. So they go to third world countries, bribe them with some, some money and some food, and say, believe in our nonsense. And they, and, and you know, that's how they gain their influence. I mean, this is a dying um, ideology that's just not going to work long term. I lied. I'm going to say one more thing. In Uganda, uh, sometimes they do corrective rapes on lesbians. Corrective rapes. And uh, prominent gay rights campaigner David Cato, Cato in 2011, um, was bludgeoned to death in his home because a newspaper ran uh, photos, names, and addresses of gays in Uganda with a headline, Hang Them. 
our evangelical Christians went over there and helped their cause. of our Lord 2014 came the great salvation of the homophobes. Yea, though over many years they have spread the good news of homophobia, today the religious right's greatest gift is denial. Now that their most homophobic offspring has been signed into law in Uganda, these men of God must presently seek a different path. Behold, the miracle of denial. Good Reverend Rick Warren has always been a kind-hearted moderate and never told anti-gay Ugandans that homosexuality is not a human right. Most holy pastor Scott Lively was shocked, shocked that Uganda would pass a law calling for life imprisonment of homosexuals, particularly after his scholarly visit speaking to priests, parliamentarians, and the powerful explaining the evil gay agenda. And the family, a godly and secretive association, had only the purest intentions when a globe-trotting senator visited Africa 108 times, attending prayer breakfasts with the legislation's author, and inviting him back to the United States three times. Forget not the work of Reverend Lou Engel and Richard Cohen, who through the miracle of post-legislative conversion can now hardly find Uganda on a map. And remember for all eternity the good news of homophobia spread by the most devout family research council at the American Family Association. May the miracle of denial keep the religious right pure as they spread the good news of homophobia to Uganda, Nigeria, Russia, Latvia, and wherever hatred finds a home. Now go, witness the salvation of the homophobes as they bathe in the healing waters of denial. Very exciting news. My new favorite person with two first names, oh! as a first and last name, Michael Sam, yeah. has come out of the closet. He's the University of Missouri defensive lineman. Mizzou, go Mizzou! Is that their thing? Mizzou, Mizzou, Mizzou. We have Moose and we're in Missouri. Did you know? So it's not their yeah. thing. Okay. That's their whole school song. So, um, coaches at the University of Missouri earlier this year. I love this story. At a preseason yeah. football practice, which, you know, preseason means like they're not wearing their sweaters yet. You know what I mean? They're not wearing their scarves. They're sort no, of in transition not clothing. Away rings. They're wearing yeah. a Henley. They're maybe doing a, a cord, not a thick cord, but no. you know what I mean? Like a thin cord. They're doing their, they're doing their Tom's driving shoes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. So anyway, 
Who makes those fancy driving shoes? Those those really Cole cool. Han. No, more expensive. Ferragamo. Todd's. That's what I meant. Oh, Todd's. Yeah. The like Audrey Hepburn shoe, but for drivers. Is that Audrey Hepburn? Uh, she used to be in ads for them. When? Oh, in like the nineties. You remember when they were doing that whole thing with Fred Astaire's going to dance with this vacuum cleaner? Oh, yeah. That. Oh. They had Audrey Hepburn do a thing. Um, so anyway, so uh, the coaches of the University of Missouri in during the preseason divided uh, players into small groups for a team-building exercise. And one by one, they were asked to like say something about themselves and to talk about themselves, where they grew up, what people might not know about them, blah, 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 blah. So defensive lineman Michael Sam began to speak, and uh, he like had a piece of paper in his hand, and then he like balled it up really like... You know, scared and yeah. cute. Oh, I like, bet he looked just like that. All football players just have the look of terror on their face at all times. Exactly. And he said, I'm gay. So he was like, fuck pause, the paper. Pause, pause, Fuck the paper. I'm, del- I'm doing the truth. I'm gay. The yeah. truth shall set you free. Oh, did he do that? He r- ripped it up into confetti and then he... And he blew it up in the air yeah. and then slow-mo and it felt like it was snowing and he like danced in the did snow. Did two dancers... Like, like Winona Ryder and Edward Scissorhands. Oh, that's what I was going to say. It yeah. was like that scene. The coach grabbed another player and then they did Edward Scissorhands And then they did dance. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so this guy is now on the path to become the first active player, publicly gay player in the National Football He's a third-round draft pick. Is that correct? Well, they think he's going to be a third round draft pick. I don't think he's been, he's not, it hasn't, the draft hasn't, hasn't started, started yet, yeah. which is kind of unusual. I'll get to it, but it's kind of unusual that he did this pre-draft anyway. But, that's an even bolder I move. I know why he did it. What? Didn't he say why he did it? Because he wanted to own his go own story. Go to a place. Be- before he. And I think he also wanted to like go somewhere that was going to, like that he wouldn't have to fucking do that whole song and yeah. dance again. Also, I think it's actually brilliant timing because with the Sochi Olympics, kind of like, it's 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 America's it's NFL's opportunity to be like we are inclusive we're not doing the bullshit that Russia's doing so he said I looked into their eyes and they just started shaking their heads like finally he came out so like a good oh, shaking knew. your head they knew yeah um so he he was named a first team all american I might as well, I really honestly right now might as well be reading any other language but my own. <laughs> he was named the first team All-American and the Defensive Player of the Year in the Southeastern Conference, as well as Missouri's MVP, which was voted on by players, which yeah. is so... And not you're not saying Players Casino. No, 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 yeah. no. Or Tim Robbins in yeah. that Robert Altman movie. The, and, and so that way, because of all that, because he's obviously like a brilliant defensive lineman, he will most likely become the first openly gay player in the NFL. He's eligible from the draft for the draft in May. He's He's had a shit life. Um, his family, his brother was killed from a gunshot wound. Oh, my God. His oldest sister died when she was a baby before he knew her. Oh, my God. His second oldest brother went missing in 1998. He and his Wait, sister. So he doesn't know where he is? He and his sister were the last ones to see them. And his other two brothers have been in and out of jail since eighth grade. They're both currently in jail. And he said, and this I love, telling the world I'm gay is nothing compared to that. Isn't that so sad? Yeah. And heartbreaking. And in a perfect world, he should be correct. Yeah. Telling someone you're gay should be no big deal, even for someone going into the NFL. Um, and so he said about getting, about doing this pre-draft, I just want to go to the team who drafts me because the team knows about me, knows that I'm gay, and also knows that I work hard. That's the team I want to go to. Told his parents. His parents were cool with it. They said, we know, we love you, we've always known, blah, blah, blah. You're not blah, in blah. jail, it's fine. Exactly. Um, Do you think it's easier for people to come out if they have a sibling in jail? That's a good question. Uh, shadethrowing at gmail.com if you have the answer. Yeah. Please let us know. Um, so this is all very exciting. I'm a little bit worried about the 
what actually ends up happening in the in in this draft? Well, you've already this, been reading about what's happening, right? Well, People's reactions. Yes. No, I don't mean that, but like, well, partially, and I'm going to get to that. But for instance, like, look at Jason Collins. Everyone thought like he's going to get these endorsement deals. He's going to get put on a team. But Jason Collins was already in the NFL I, and NBA. not doing. Oh, NBA and not doing well. Not this doing, guy is a, is, is, is a good player. Yes. Yeah. I'm just curious to see what happens because I think people thought that Jason Collins was going to keep moving in a direction of like Nike's going to endure. You know, all this stuff's going to happen. Yeah, but and it I didn't, think this is the, this was the this was the short sightedness of people. You have to also be a good player. Do you know yes. what I mean? You can't. And I think this is part of what their criticism is of of Michael Sam on some level is that like. Oh, you, they think, they think he's using coming out as a reason to but be he's, pulled he's, in, but right. he's actually very, he still. just want, if he's going to be a professional and basically essentially go to work every day, he doesn't want to go to work every day in the and closet. Be harassed. No. Yeah. And he doesn't want to go to work every day pretending he's something he's not. Yeah. That's awful. I, my first few jobs. When you were in the NFL, that was what when it was When I was like in the you. NFL, we couldn't do anything. Yeah. I mean, like it was sort of like you went in and you said, how's it going? And you would be like, good, good, good. Dripping with pussy, fucking sticking my dick and whatever comes my way. And I obviously mean women doing it every, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hanging from the ceiling, hanging out with porn stars, Elizabeth Hurley every night. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, this is the 90s. Yeah. Just to give you context. So um, so anyway, Mother Jones did an article uh, where they were just looking at reactions from people in the NFL, all of who cho- they all chose to remain nameless, which is so cowardly. But maybe they were just trying to be honest and not judge. But their team and and his, his team members and... Uh, and Missouri State football tw- Twitter accounts were all like, "We support you." We you that's know. not, but that's not what Mother Jones. This this uh, this Mother article, Jones. yeah, Mother Jones. This article came from. They asked some people inside the NFL. Yes. Oh, what do you think like the aftermath will be? Players' assistant or something. I'm happy to read it okay, if great. you want me to go through it. I just sometimes I like to reiterate the small snippets of just when I breeze by stuff mm-hmm. on the internet. Yeah, it's no, you're doing just, a great job. Just glide over some facts. So this NFL, it was a personnel assistant in the in the NFL. Uh, said, I don't think football is ready for an openly gay player just yet. In the coming decade or two, it's going to be acceptable. It's in like ten or twenty years, but at this point in time, it's still a man's man game, which is so, so fucking. Offensive. So, but in the future, it's going to be a man, man, girly. What does he mean? Yeah, I don't like, know. It's going to be a man, girly. Yeah, then, then it'll be like a you know how, sport like, for for weak for weak. You know people. how faggots wear dresses? Yeah, that whole. We'll do thing. that in ten years. It's disgusting. But right now, I want those faggots quiet. It's I want a, them wearing pants. Yep. I want them pretending that they like beer and pussy. Yep. Yep. Was that exactly. how that guy? I assume that sure. guy was 80 years old and just like, you know, was in a rascal. Makes sense. Okay. So then he went on to say, to call somebody a faggot is still so commonplace. It's, it's, it chemically imbalances an NFL locker room and meeting room. Well, that sucks. Oh, I'm sorry that, <laughs> oh God, everyone has to be a decent human being now. <laughs> yeah. That sucks I'm that so you would sorry. have to stop saying that word. That oh, sucks. God, your poor life. But you're gonna I bet people start, will get over You're going to have it. to stop saying faggot? My God, it's basically like apartheid. Yep. You know what I mean? So then the next question was, with will this announcement cause him to drop in the draft? So an, a veteran NFL scout said, I just know with this going on, it's going to drop him down. There's no question about it. It's human nature. Do you want to be, do you want to be the team to quote unquote break that barrier? Yeah, I would. I don't see what's so wrong also, with that. Also, it would be a smart move yep. to do that. P.S. Why would you not want more people watching? I mean, football has an image problem right now, a huge image problem in that it's, you know, people are getting concussions and, exactly. you know, having all these brain injuries. So, like, f- put that aside as another issue, which they absolutely should deal with. But 
if you're having an image problem as being like a barbaric sport, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, we're going to bring in this this guy who's openly gay, and we're going to accept him as part of our family. Yeah. That is so powerful. Also, it, it's just this whole argument from the NFL every time that that's just like, now is not a good time to do this. Also, you're Every gonna... time with the injuries, when's the right fucking time to do the right thing in that league? Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, too. Now, I don't know if anybody's as age conscious as I am being in Los Angeles and being judged on my looks all the time and mm. like when I go to coffee and like why is your voice getting people, so deep mm. so I think that when you look at who is being accepting which is college football mm. right well Their team, maybe no but his team specifically right was yeah. like yes. everyone knew that he was gay no one spoke to the press right they accepted him they were all part of a family and they kept it inside and and it was uh, yeah that specific team was but that's a well. college team so when you're looking at the NFL who are like older people, older players, and they're the ones being like, no, I don't think so. It makes you look old and backwards. It seems like the only thing the NFL should be concerned with is trying to win a game. That really seems like every team should just solely Yeah, so who cares if that. that guy's putting his dick in a butt or a butt, another butt, you know? Because uh, all oh, football players he, like anal. Just they yeah. only do anal. Uh, so a formal general manager said, uh, this will break a tie against that player every time unless he's Superman. Why? Not that they're against gay people. It's more that some players are going to look at you upside down. So you're against gay people. Exactly. Yeah. A general manager is going to ask, why would we do that to ourselves? He was saying that every media outlet in the world is going to come cover that story. Why would a team want that kind of attention or that pressure? This seems like the exact same argument of Jackie Robinson. Yeah. Like, why would we put, why would we put a black guy on our, on our team? It's, I don't know, because he's fucking talented. Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty gross, but uh, Michael Sam is gay the new black. It shouldn't be. Hmm. I Jinji Cohen should write that show. Oh, that's great. Gay that would is be the great new for black. her. Yeah. yeah, and Michael Sam should appear on it. Yeah, he yeah. should be the Michael Sam should should honestly quit the NFL and go into like uh, uh, being you know an actor. Well, I do think that if if for some reason God forbid he doesn't get picked on a team to go anywhere, he will have lots of opportunity because. Well, there's one team. Uh, ooh. He's already on. Team Pharaoh? Exactly. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that allows you to create your own professional website or online portfolio in just minutes. If you have a good idea to share, then using Squarespace will help you get it on the web and looking great faster than you can imagine. Listener of the show Keith Wilson has done just that. After he had the idea for a new way to revolutionize the concept of the protest vote, he created theprotestparty.com using Squarespace to get the word out. There you can see his take on organizing a fix for our broken two-party election system. So whether you're starting a business, trying to show off some of your work, or working to save the world. If you have a good idea that's demanding to be shared, then you can do what Keith did and get set up and running fast. Getting started with Squarespace is easy and free for 14 days, and you'll always have the help of their 24-hour support staff if you ever need a hand with your project. Then, when you're ready to sign up, be sure to use the special offer code LEFT. That's just L-E-F-T, which gets you 10% off your purchase, and that code also lets them know that you're supporting this show at the same time. NFL player Jonathan Vilma and Michael Sam, imagine if he's the guy next to me and, you know, I get dressed, naked, taking a shower. The whole nine. What's the whole nine? What, 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 no, the whole nine and just so happens he looks at me. How am I supposed to respond? Wait, what's the whole nine? 
after getting dressed and taking a shower, what else happens? What if I want to start to masturbate in the middle of the locker room and he starts to look at me? I'm unwinding. I'm doing my post-game shower, masturbation, public uh, touching What's myself. What's the whole night? All of a sudden, this guy's looking at me. I feel a little weird. <laughs> I just don't get what the rest of... Okay, so there's shower, one. There's getting dressed, two. What's what's three through seven, three through nine? What else is that guy doing? It's a pre-masturbatory ritual where I, I touch my navel a little bit. I take a couple of deep, do a little pranayama breathing. Point is, I don't want him looking at me. How else am I going to compete as an NFL champion? I got to do Use my logic. I got to do my squats. I'm going to talk to my owner about this. He knows exactly what I'm talking you know, about. The, the nerve of these guys, though, to just even think right off the bat that, oh, if there's a gay guy in the locker room, he's certainly going to be attracted to me. Well, you know, it's like, you know, I understand. I mean, I'm not surprised about, again, about some guys in the NFL being, um, you know, jerks. Uh, and a-holes about it. But what, what am I well, supposed to do? Well, now I'm a jerk for masturbating in the bathroom. Whoa, what's your problem? <laughs> How am I supposed to respond? I don't know. You could ignore it. Uh, if that's, I mean, assuming that this guy's in there going like, I, I definitely want to alienate my, team, my, my players by leering at them. Um, it's just a, how am I supposed to, you know, you, you just ignore it. And you go, hey, jerk off. Stop leering at me. Uh, but what's also possible is that you could be imagining this. Like this it's, it's bad enough that i got to walk around with all the ladies leering at me all the time. Now i got to worry about the guys, too? No, no, follow that thread. Because I, I think a lot of this stuff actually goes to a projection around. I, it, when we talk about this street harassment and stuff like that, and these are the same dudes who say, like, well, if a guy's yelling at you in the street, why can't you just ignore it? When that same, when they perceive any of that same type of behavior projected back on them, they get really concerned about it. And their assumption is that all gay men are going to conduct themselves like that. Yeah, I mean, there's this. So there's, I guess like, there's projection this, and homophobia. Yes, but there's also got to be, like, there's, I mean, maybe there's just massive ignorance. Like, there, there's an assumption that. Every gay guy wants every straight guy. All it takes is if they just see, a as, if, as if they've never seen a naked guy before. It's like as if like all these guys, it's like the, they have the, it's the sort of, they, they, they project on it. It's like, it's as if like you were in junior high and you saw a woman naked for the first time. Like all of a sudden, like all their self control is going to go out the window. Oh my God, it's the first time they've seen it. Hey, guess what? That gay guy who's just in the closet in your uh, locker room has also seen you naked. And apparently, nothing happened. They heard Michael Sam say, he said, This is who I am. I have to be honest and proud of myself. And they were just like, Oh, my God, that dude just said the reason I went into the NFL is to go shower with guys. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Well, Napathy, I'm sorry, dude. What non-conflicted heterosexual man says, says like that? If you've played sports on any level, you've played with gay players. I know I have this wave of indignation. I think that's also part of it, too. It's like because you are projecting like 
I mean, think about what this guy is saying. It's not that there are gay people in the locker. It's that there are out gay people in the locker who've accepted that they're gay. So this guy is projecting onto like, okay, yeah, I have feelings about seeing other guys, you know, two through seven or three through seven <laughs> in, in the process of the nine. But if I was out and everybody knew I was gay, that would give me license to actually acknowledge the fact that I have these feelings. And then what would I do? How would I? What would have been funny is if he said, how would I respond to me? I mean, to, to, to him. Say I'm at a six and I'm in the closet. That's one thing. What is a six when you're out? A six when you're out is a ten, my friend. And none of us are equipped to deal with that. One thing can lead to another. It doesn't take any sacrifice. Oh, father and mother, sister and brother. If it feels nice, don't think twice. Big news out of the South, Virginia is the first Southern state to overturn their gay marriage ban. Now, when I say Southern state, I know people will say, hold on, David, some of California is in the South and New Mexico is in the South. What we mean by the first Southern state is the Southeast of the United States, the very conservative Southeast of the United States. A federal judge in Norfolk struck down an unconstitutional as unconstitutional, Virginia's ban on same-sex marriage. The first southern state, and we always think about Alabama and Mississippi when we say, well, the momentum is building for marriage equality, but it's hard to imagine states like Mississippi or Alabama ever going in a different direction. If there is legal judicial momentum, and if judges in places like Virginia look at it and say, you know what? With the partial repeal of DOMA and with increased marriage equality across the country, legally justified by state courts, I don't think there's a legal justification for these bans. I think we may see the overturning in, in places like Alabama and Mississippi. Eventually, I would assume so. I mean, let's say Alabama is the last state and every other state has deemed uh, the ban unconstitutional. Uh, how could they possibly hold out legally in that case? Uh, it just it would seem to make no sense, and that at that point there might even be a federal mandate. The judge involved, Judge Arenda Wright Allen, said that there is nothing about denying same-sex marriages that makes legitimate government interests. I love this. Have you ever heard of a more conservative, libertarian argument for why there should be no ban on same-sex marriage? It doesn't serve a government interest. It might serve religious interests. It might serve the personal interest of people who seem to think that there's something different about the relationship between two men who are in love versus a man and a woman, but it serves absolutely no government interest. This is such a conservative argument for same-sex marriage, and I love it. The sun, it falls so yellow like buttercups in bloom Wildflowers on the meadow give a scent of sweet perfume And I had been the country's length to see you give your hand Travelling to see you marry 
reached the activism portion of today's show. Now that you're informed and angry, here's what you can do about it. Today's activism, the We Do campaign. While the marriage equality groundswell continues to grow, many have been surprised to see good news coming out of southern states like Kentucky. The South doesn't exactly have a reputation for openness. Southerners do, however, have a reputation for being neighborly and caring for their own. The campaign for southern equality is betting on that reputation. The North Carolina-based LGBT rights group marched with the Moral Mondays Coalition for Public Schools, Healthcare, Immigrant Rights, as well as Full Equality for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Transgender People, accumulating public proof along the way that Southerners do indeed stand up for each other. They and their supporters are building on the momentum from 2013 by expanding a campaign to push cities and states into recognizing same-sex marriages. On March 25th, Jessica and Amber walked into the Hines County Courthouse in Jackson, Mississippi, and asked to be treated as full and equal citizens when they applied for a marriage license. They told their story to the Campaign for Southern Equality. Quote, The power of love is and has always been the common thread that holds the tapestry of humanity together, the only force strong enough to withstand the ferocity of fear. As we have already done in the eyes of God, we wish to marry, this time under the law, with the same rights of marriage that other Mississippi married couples are provided, unquote. Knowing that their application would likely be denied, couples like Jessica and Amber are participating in the Campaign for Southern Equality's We Do campaign by applying for marriage licenses. They are both making a statement about being treated as full and equal citizens, as well as creating standing for lawsuits challenging discriminatory laws. You can get involved by spreading the word through social media, donating, leaving messages of support for couples, participating in the We Do action in North Carolina this May, and if you are part of a Southern same-sex couple, pledging to apply for a marriage license in your town. Don't worry, they have all the resources to help. You won't be doing it alone. Join the campaign for Southern equality as they refuse to concede the conventional wisdom that the South is just unwinnable on LGBT rights. Only 5% of national LGBT organizational funds go to the South, resulting in limited resources for advocacy and a higher than average risk of poverty because of extreme discrimination. As couples and their allies stand up to be counted, the tide of acceptance and love will continue through states like Kentucky and Virginia, where recent victories are still being celebrated. There's plenty of room on the bandwagon for activists, allies, and legislators alike. Activism. Come on out from in front of the television. Bust out of your self-imposed media prison. There's a whole big world out there, y'all. And some serious stuff is going down. Civil war intolerance, AIDS obliteration. The usual madness, but not enough frustration about what's troubling Earth's nations. The spotlight will not be your savior in these dark days, and it will not be your saving grace. Why not replace your dreams of gracing life stage with action? Arizona Governor Jan Brewer vetoed a bill passed by the state legislature that would have allowed business owners to discriminate against gay and lesbian people and others on religious grounds. But not before mainstream media had a chance to demonstrate their mealy-mouthed approach to talking about discrimination even when it's this unsubtle. The New York Times led the pack with the headline, Bill Viewed as Anti-Gay is Passed in Arizona. 
True, many people did view the anti-gay bill as anti-gay. CNN told viewers that, quote, critics say the measure is aimed largely at denying service to gays and lesbians, close quote. Though it seems fair to say that proponents saw it that way, too. NBC Nightly News viewers got this. On our broadcast tonight, battle lines in Arizona over a controversial plan that some say would legalize discrimination. And indeed, that is the likely impact of a law legalizing discrimination. Finally, the Sacramento Bee wanted folks to know that the backlash, quote, has come not just from the usual liberal suspects and gay activists, close quote, though in fact it, quote, has been particularly worrisome to the gay community, which sees this as the sanctioning of anti-gay discrimination, close quote. Next up, perhaps slavery, viewed by some critics as anti-black. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm John Kerr. A recent bill in Arizona that would allow individuals and businesses to refuse to serve gay people on religious grounds was drafted by extreme anti-LGBT organizations, the right-wing Center for Arizona Policy and the Scottsdale-based Alliance Defending Freedom. When CNN anchor Chris Cuomo interviewed ADF attorney Kelly Fedorik on CNN's New Day, Cuomo refused to let ADF escape scrutiny. We would not force a Muslim to participate in a Quran burning ceremony. We wouldn't ask a black photographer and force them to go take a picture of a KKK event. Counselor, tell me that you're not analogizing burning a Quran or the KKK with gay marriage. Cuomo continued to push back and clarify the bill's intent, noting the ADF's record of defending anti-gay discrimination. It allows people to not do business with gays, is what it allows. Your organization has a history of trying to hedge the ability to deal with gay marriage and gay rights in the country. All somebody has to do is get you know, Google your organization. So let's just be open and honest about it. Folks, in light of Governor Jan Brewer vetoing SB 1062, the feel free to discriminate against gay people, and really anybody else, I mean, if it offends your religious sensibilities, even though you are operating in the secular world of commerce, by your own volition, you have engaged in the profane world of commerce. And in light of a federal judge in Texas saying that to deny two people of the same sex who are in love the opportunity to get married is unconstitutional because there is no state interest in doing so in overturning the texas anti-marriage equality ban same goes for kentucky now as of today we bring you this warning from the american family association's brian fisher who is desperately either well, uh, who knows what uh, what motivates a guy like Brian Fisher? Here is the vision. This is this is. I mean, here it is, folks. Listen, big gays out there trying to force Christian businessmen to violate their consciences and realize if if big gay, if homosexual activists actually believed in tolerance, uh, what what they would do is they would respect the convictions of Christian businessmen. They would say, "Hey, I respect your convictions. I'll be happy to go find another vendor." 
uh, to take care of, of what I want. And in every single case, every one of these homosexual couples, whether it's in Oregon, whether it's in Washington, whether it's in Colorado, whether it's in Arizona, whether it's in New Mexico, every single one of these homosexual couples has found another vendor who is happy to photograph their weddings or make their flower arrangements or bake a cake for their reception. They had no problem getting what they uh, wanted. But the reality is they don't believe in tolerance at all. Uh, in fact, I think they are jack-booted homo-fascist thugs is what big gay is. I'm not saying all homosexuals are like that. I'm talking about the homosexual lobby. They don't believe in tolerance. They are jack-booted homo-fascist thugs who want to use the tyrannical and totalitarian power of the state to send men of faith to jail. And that, frankly, sounds a lot more like Nazi Germany than the United States of America. Here's hoping Governor Jan Brewer signs that bill into law. Well, I'm sorry, Brian Fisher. It seems that uh, the Nazism involved in someone to go uh, purchase a wedding cake or get flowers will, will continue on unabated. I am sorry to say to you, sir. So I, I can't, I can't find this. I can't find this uh, piece, and maybe I shouldn't even talk about it if I can't. But somebody uh, wrote a piece on on uh, listing the four or five circumstances where these uh, jackbooted uh, uh, homo fascist f- thugs or whatever the guy was saying um, went to a, a baker. Now let me let me make one thing clear: there's no such thing as a Christian businessman. There is a businessman who happens to be Christian. If you go into business and engage in commerce, you have to accept the context in which commerce is set up in our society. That's the bottom line. No one's forcing you to open a bakery. No one's forcing you to make floral arrangements. And in this story that um, somebody had posted, where they were outlining the different instances where gay people have been so audacious to go in to order a cake for their wedding. There was one case, apparently, and I can't remember where this was. Maybe it was in Kentucky. I'm not sure. Where a bakery owned by a Christian gentleman refused to make a cake for a gay wedding. And apparently a commission, a human rights commission in this town, said, we agree with the plaintiffs in this situation that that is not appropriate behavior. And as you dug into the story, the baker said, look, I've sold cakes to gays. I've sold cakes to gays who have birthday parties. They're allowed to have birthdays. I've sold uh, cakes to gays who um, are celebrating somebody else's anniversary. But it's against my religion to sell cakes that will be a part of a wedding. It offends my Christian sensibilities. And so apparently, as part of this uh, process, in this hearing, they found that this Christian bakery had sold lewd cakes. Like, I've got it all packed in my pants on their cakes or something. Or maybe it was a t-shirt. That's what it was. It was a t-shirt company. Excuse me. It was a t-shirt company that didn't want to make a t-shirt celebrating a gay pride day. Completely innocuous. Just gay pride. 
But they had sold, um, you know, T-shirts that said, like, ask me about my other pants or whatever it was. I'm, I've got 12 inches in my pocket, you know, whatever. All sorts of lewd things that one would imagine would also offend their Christian sensibilities. And I say, hey. One question I get a lot from listeners has to do with how long it takes me to make an episode of Best of the Left. Well, between all the research, show prep, and actual editing, it comes out to around 20 hours of work for each one of the 10 episodes I make every month. Obviously, this is only possible because of the listeners who chip in a few bucks each month to make it happen. So if you appreciate this show and think it provides a valuable service, then please think about becoming a member at the $10 a month level. That's only a buck a show after all. I've always believed in giving away the show for free so everyone can hear it without restrictions. So if you can afford 10 bucks a month, that covers yourself and several others who maybe can't afford to pay but who need to hear the show as much as anyone. As thanks, members also receive bonus content including extra voicemails, behind-the-scenes stories and more of my personal musings thanks so much for your support a petition to the supreme court has been filed to appeal a decision by the new mexico supreme court finding it was illegal for a christian wedding photographer to deny services to a lesbian couple it was that case that was the spark for the so-called religious freedom bills that have spread from state house to state house across the country. And the organization that is defending that Christian photographer in that case, the Alliance Defending Freedom, is one of a small group of national social conservative organizations that see these bills as the new frontier in their fight against gay rights. Tennessee lawmakers are taking up sponsorship of a bill allowing companies to reject business from gay couples. Across the country, it seems, a bunch of conservative lawmakers in a bunch of different states have all had the same idea at around the same time. It's about whether or not people and businesses can refuse service to gay couples planning a wedding. Four new bills filed in the state legislature promise to have a significant impact on government policies affecting gay and transgender Utahns. A bill sponsored by local state Senator Brian Kelsey has been called the Turn the Gays Away Bill. The issue is a House bill that involves religious freedom legislation. Bills that allow business owners to cite their religious beliefs in order to deny service to gay people have been proposed or considered in at least 12 states, including, most infamously and controversially, the state of Arizona. Senate Bill 1062 does not address a specific or present concern related to religious liberty in Arizona. The Arizona bill was written by the conservative advocacy group Center for Arizona Policy, together with Alliance Defending Freedom, which works across the country. This bill has nothing to do with discrimination. It is basically it's protecting basic freedoms that belong to the, everyone. And I don't understand how you could argue anything else. This has nothing to do with discrimination. This is the website of the Alliance Defending Freedom, where you can purchase a book called The Homosexual Agenda which laments efforts to dilute moral values so that homosexual behavior is thought to be normal. ADF has a budget of more than $30 million and dozens of lawyers on staff, and it is currently making the case in court that same-sex marriage harms children. The group has fought a variety of gay rights efforts at home and abroad, even defending a law in Belize that makes homosexual acts punishable by 10 years in prison. 
The other group behind the Arizona measure, the Center for Arizona Policy, is part of a nationwide network of family policy networks that have pushed similar laws in Kansas and Idaho. They are organized under the advocacy arm of Focus on the Family, the far-right Christian group founded by James Dobson, who also co-founded the Alliance Defending Freedom, and who sees same-sex marriage as the slipperiest of slopes. How about group marriage, or marriage between daddies and little girls? How about marriage between a man and his donkey? Anything allegedly linked to civil rights will be doable. Another big player in all this is a think tank called the Ethics and Public Policy Center, which has led the creation of 18 religious freedom caucuses in state houses across the country under the umbrella of its American Religious Freedom Program, a group that crafts model legislation, hands it over to state lawmakers, and then testifies on its behalf. All of these organizations cast their efforts to pass laws codifying anti-gay discrimination as a simple expression of religious freedom, a message that has been greatly amplified on the Fox News channel. Why is it important for you to have a business and not have to abandon your personal religious beliefs um, just to make a buck. So that's your personal belief and that's your husband's personal belief and in this free country we would think that there would be tolerance for your beliefs and for people who disagree with you. Do you feel as though you are forfeiting your own rights and being forced in other words to participate in their wedding by making a cake for them? I mean how far could this go? If, if your clients lose, if the Supreme Court doesn't take the case and the lower court decision stands then how far could this go? No one's asking anyone to abandon their beliefs. But in the world of Fox News, apparently, that's the price of equality. I don't believe in that, what you said. I don't believe in that. One dies, and I die too. So do you. A piece of you dies. And I believe in that, what I said Oh, I believe in that Senate Bill 1062 does not address a specific or present concern related to religious liberty in Arizona. I have not heard of one example in Arizona where a business owner's religious liberty has been violated. The bill is broadly worded and could result in unintended and negative consequences. After weighing all of the arguments, I have vetoed Senate Bill 1062 moments ago. The immediate impact of Arizona Governor Jan Brewer's decision to veto Arizona Senate Bill 1062 last night uh, was celebrations. Arizona will not have a new business climate where your gay friends and your straight friends maybe cannot eat at the same restaurant. Uh, and so people waved flags and people celebrated and the social conservatives on the right got very mad on Twitter. But while that was happening last night concerning Arizona, at almost the exact same time, this was happening in the great state of Georgia. Just into our newsroom within the past 15 minutes after backlash from gay and lesbian groups, the so-called Religious Freedom Bill appears dead for this year's legislative session. Members and supporters of the gay and lesbian community packed into a hearing this week at the state capitol. A Senate committee has just pulled that bill from the floor. As Arizona Governor Jan Brewer was deciding to kill her state's religious freedom slash discrimination bill last night, Georgia Republicans decided to kill theirs as well. And earlier in this week, you may remember, we told you about a similar bill that had popped up in Mississippi. That bill was passed unanimously 
by the state Senate in Mississippi, and it was headed toward the Mississippi House. But then, er, last night, a House subcommittee in Mississippi decided to gut that bill as well. They removed the you are free to discriminate parts of it, and they left only the part of the bill that would put in God we trust into the Mississippi state seal. We've now seen similar religious freedom slash discrimination bills tabled or vetoed or deferred or withdrawn in Kansas and Tennessee and Ohio and Utah and Idaho and Oklahoma and now Arizona and now Georgia and now Mississippi. Nine states, nine state governments have been evaluating this type of legislation. In a number of them, it was racing through Republican-dominated legislatures. But in nine states, all of a sudden, just in the last few days, and in some cases just in the last few hours, those states have either decided that it's playing a little too fast and loose with civil liberties, or more likely that they saw the firestorm that was unleashed in Arizona and decided, no thanks, we don't really want to deal with that. It's never over till it's over for things like this, for this experiment in conservative governance, but if these nine states are anything to go by, and nine states is a pattern, it is starting to look like this one's over. Oh, it's such a drag. So Arizona Governor Jan Brewer, she looked at the writing on the wall. She looked at the NFL threatening for a second time in just a couple of decades to move the Super Bowl out of Arizona because of the haters and the bigots there in the state legislature and the government. Uh, she looked at Apple and tons of big businesses and companies saying veto this bill. Of course, the bill I'm talking about is a bill we talked about at the top of the show last week, the turn away the gay bill that would have made it legal in Arizona for someone to discriminate against someone else for any reason at any time if that someone who is doing the discriminating mentioned that they were discriminating because of some amorphous, vaguely defined, sincerely held religious belief. Now, some have asked why, you know, this law didn't specifically single out LGBT people. It didn't specifically single out the gay, so why the turn away the gay label applied to it? Well, it couldn't specifically single out the gay because of Rummer v. Evans, which is a Supreme Court decision from the early 90s, which overturned an anti-gay law in Colorado that specifically singled out gay people for discrimination. And the Supreme Court, in one of its first major pro-LGBT civil equality decisions ruled that a state cannot declare a class of people a stranger to its laws. Colorado tried the specific anti-gay, okay, discriminate against the gay people law, and the Supreme Court said, and I quote, this Colorado cannot do. And that Supreme Court decision left Arizona and all these other states that are floating these anti-gay, quote-unquote, religious liberty bills in the position of having to word them so broadly that they apply to everybody. So although the intent is to discriminate against gay people, the letter of the law doesn't allow for that. letter of the law has to allow for discrimination against one and all by one and all and thereby lies chaos. And this is settled law in this country, as somebody pointed out on TV, and I'm quoting you, and I don't remember who you were, so quotes to you, props to you, whoever you were. This is settled. We have decided that in the provision of public accommodations, 
You may not discriminate against the public. When you open a business to the public, you are opening your business to all comers, to all members of the public. Ironically, of course, having just said that, it is legal to discriminate against gay people and lesbian people and bi people and trans people in Arizona. Legal right now. Legal after Jan Brewer's veto. Legal before they floated this law. It is perfectly legal in Arizona to fire someone for being gay, to refuse to serve someone in your business because they're a lesbian, to evict someone because they're trans. LGBT people have no civil rights protections in Arizona. So this law was unnecessary. All of this sturm and drang, all of this bullshit, all this celebrating about the veto, and we are where? We are nowhere. Nothing's changed in Arizona. It was legal for a baker to refuse to bake a cake for a gay couple two weeks ago, and it's legal for a baker to refuse to bake a cake for a gay couple now. And yet, all the mewling from the right about, oh, the religious liberties of these poor bakers who just want to bake cakes, but not for you. What can be done for them, for the poor darlings? Well, I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion for all the Haiti, butt-sore, anti-gay bakers in Arizona. You all... Y'all need to start an organization. The Arizona Association of Homophobic Bakers. I believe the URL is still available. Publicly identify yourselves as homophobic bakers. Put up a website, list the bakeries in Arizona and everywhere else that don't want to do business with LGBT people and put signs in the windows of your bakeries that clearly state that gay and lesbian customers are not welcome and will be turned away. Discriminating against LGBT people, perfectly legal in Arizona. So you homophobic bakers, you will run no risk, no legal risks, identifying yourselves as haters and bigots. You can't be sued by the individual gay people you discriminate against, and the authorities can't find you or shut you down. You don't want to serve gay customers? Great. Let us know who you are. Put up a list online, hang signs in your windows, and we will take our business elsewhere. The homophobic bakers of Arizona, of course, will do no such thing. Because the hater bakers know that putting a we don't serve gay people sign in their window will not only cost them our business, business they don't want, but also the business of our straight friends, straight family members, and straight neighbors, business they do want. And they'll also lose the business of fair-minded straight people who think discrimination is wrong, and they'll lose the business of straight people who worry about where all this selective, hypocritical, faith-rationalized discrimination could ultimately lead us. So they're not going to do it. But it seems to me that if homophobic bakers don't have the courage to put up the list, if they don't have the courage of their own sincerely held, faith-based, bigoted convictions, LGBT activists in Arizona should put that list up for them. How many bakeries are there in Arizona? Can't be more than a few hundred. Get a group of people together for a couple of days, call all the bakeries in the state, find out who doesn't want our business, post the list online. Then encourage LGBT people and our friends, family members, and neighbors to consult that handy list of hater bakers before ordering wedding or birthday cakes or muffins or whatever the fuck else. That's not the way, of course, the homophobic bakers of Arizona or anywhere else want it to work. Or the homophobic florists or photographers or caterers, for that matter. They want to quietly and discreetly refuse to serve individual customers who happen to be gay without their other customers ever finding out. They want to hate on the down low because they know that customers who may not be gay themselves, people who know and love LGBT people, customers who don't approve of discrimination on principle, other minorities who worry that they could be next, those folks will take their business elsewhere too. There's a tremendous amount of sympathy right now. A lot of crocodile tears being shed on right-wing blogs, 
on the internet by Ross Douthat in the New York Times for the poor, beleaguered, homophobic bakers of Arizona who may have to bake a cake for a gay couple. There's a simple way around this. Put that sign in your window, homophobic bakers of Arizona. Let us know who you are. Stop doing it on the down low. And do it in the light. But they'll do no such thing, of course, because the homophobic bakers of Arizona, like all bullies everywhere, are fundamentally, and at bottom, fucking cowards. from Austin, Texas. I have two separate thoughts on the Ukrainian episode, and so we'll probably have to call in twice. The first thought is that the parallels between Germany in the 1930s and Russia today go far beyond the annexation of adjacent territory under questionable pretenses. There are obvious things like persecution of homosexuality, jailing of opposition, prohibition of non-native art, or even hosting an Olympic spectacle to showcase the wonders of the host country. To me, the biggest parallel, and one that is most dangerous and one that is frequently ignored or misunderstood, is that then, like now, there were people who were broken without sense of hope or prospect of future, and suddenly comes the strong leader that restores hope, fixes up rows, doesn't bow down to those who viewed as perceived enemies. Like Hitler in his time, Putin is now viewed by Russians as this godlike creature who can do no wrong. He's being strong for them. He's not letting them be bullied. He's the one that made it cool to be Russian again. And so there's a swelling of national pride which fuels the ego of the leader and then makes them even more brazen. And the reason why this is important to bring up is because those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. And it strikes me that the range of emotions and discussions that we hold now were likely the same range that probably occurred then. Furthermore, now like then, it's hard to know what the right answer is and that there is a great likelihood that there is no right answer, no good way out of the situation, which brings me to the final reason why I think it's important to bring up the parallels between Hitler and Putin, and it's to point out that those who do think that they have the right answer may be the ones that can lead us towards the past to yet another, this time far worse, catastrophe. Thanks. This is Bill calling from St. Petersburg, Florida. I just caught the last podcast, The Affliction of Wealth, and it was a very important show. Uh, the experiment with the rigged Monopoly game really illustrated a couple of things. One, reality is more malleable than we really discuss because ego gets inflated and warps everything. When given status, the ego sees everything warped and the person starts to see the world through eyes of privilege. Now, if you replace this attitude of monetary wealth with social or racial status, then you have the basis of our racism issue. And instead of competing for more wealth, it's a racial construct where it is perceived superiority over other races. And the competition goes there. Now, if you take the same attitude and apply it to the environment, you can see why people with a lot of wealth treat the earth like an ATM. Please keep up the good work. And this subject has to be expanded. Thank you very much for your hard work. This is Andy from Austin, and my second set of comments is related to the Ukrainian conflict as a whole. 
To say that the separation started during World War II, as Robert Scheer contended, is to completely and utterly fail to both know and to understand. This conflict is over a thousand years old, and I don't mean that a thousand years ago Slavic tribes were throwing boiled turnips at each other. No, the division between East and West Ukraine predates founding of Moscow and Russia as we now know it. And that division has been fairly constant along pretty much the same fault lines that exist now. It was first fed by the Roman Catholic Church attempting to convert pagan Ukrainians through Poland, then uh, Greek Orthodox Ukrainians through Poland, and then when Moscow was founded and Russia started to materialize as we know. Today, Ukraine became sort of this territory that was constantly fought over between Poland and Russia and uh, Turkey and Russia and so on. And these conflicts between Russia-aligned East and Western-aligned West would flare up regularly. Western Ukraine would revolt if Russia controlled it. Eastern Ukraine would revolt if Poland controlled it. In World War II, the Western Ukrainians ended up fighting on the side of invading Germans, but not necessarily because they were pro-Germans, but because they were anti-Russian. What we're witnessing now is just the latest iteration of this millennia-long strife. If you search YouTube for videos coming out of Ukraine, you can see same flags being carried by the same people chanting same slogans and these same fights breaking out pretty much over the course of the past 20 years. In fact, there's like a video of the same pro protest in Kiev in the early 90s when the Soviet Union was still intact. What's different now is that along with the typical Western agenda of being free from Russian control, many middle-of-the-road Ukrainians came out to protest against Yanukovych, which put freedom, love, and decent people shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with extreme right-wing nationalists that get their mandate from their great-great-great-great-great-fathers who fought the same fight. And so here we go again. Any alignment with the West will be welcomed in the Western Ukraine and violently opposed with the in, in, the, in, in the Eastern Ukraine and vice versa. And to discount this tremendous, deeply rooted hatred is to make a terrible mistake in figuring out what the best course of action is. Thanks for your work. Bye-bye. Hey, Jay. This is Marguerite. I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. And um, I just went back and finished listening to the voicemail messages from one of the previous episodes. There was a young woman who called in and talking about the concerns on the whole bit with the Neanderthal gene and her concerns about eugenics and, you know, the concerns about maybe this could lead to um, looking down on others because they have the Neanderthal gene. It's really that we know that now whiteness is kind of related to um, the Neanderthal gene pretty much almost entirely. And I think that was actually the point of the entire clip, the fact that where previously being seen as not white was often being referred to as someone who was backwards or maybe not as enlightened throughout most of history. For the first time, this was a chance to kind of really turn that concept on its head, saying that someone who has a Neanderthal gene might be more aggressive or might be a little bit backwards. And I think her concern and outrage was exactly what the, the woman was kind of ironically trying to elicit that you know, taking that look upon yourself. So, um, love the show. Thanks for putting it out there. Bye. Hi, Jay. I'm responding to Gordon from Chicago. Hey, Jay, it's Gordon from Chicago. Who doesn't feel comfortable being labeled libertarian because not all libertarians are the same. Indeed, there's a self-described libertarian I know because they were on Best of the Left content provider, The Majority Report, one time. She said she supports spending on education and social uplift. 
With regard to labels, I think I see some similarities between libertarians, queer, and trans people who want to control their ability to self-identify. Gordon says libertarians don't like to be grouped, which is a strange statement to make about people that share a label. I think a label should communicate some useful information. It should at least narrow things down a bit. If I want people to know something about me, I use labels like male, Caucasian, tall, skier, Hamish from California. I actually know some libertarians where if you would say to them, you're a human, they would say, no, I'm not. I'm an advanced primate. If someone won't even let themselves belong to the category human, I don't know what I can learn when they label themselves libertarian because I assumed that all libertarians were human. Maybe libertarians could do what trans people do and create multitudes of subcategories so that, dif that differentiate one type of trans from another. Otherwise, libertarians seem to have a lot in common with anyone who self-identifies as queer in that every time someone tells you that they're queer or libertarian, it says so little about them that you then need to ask, what kind of queer or what does libertarian look for, like for you? I think I would define it with one word, and that word is no. From his call, Gordon's answer is no. And that brings me to my second point. You never get what you want by saying what you don't want. Saying no says little about how you would like to be treated or what kind of world you want to live in. I don't think Gordon's a two-year-old, so I expect he has things he actually wants that are different from the things he would say no to. Gordon, you have the ability to say no. You said it several times on your call. I think what you want is the ability to make the world the way you want it with your refusal. And that just begs the question, what do you want to happen when you say no? If I can generalize for a moment, I think what people like Gordon want is not just the opportunity to say no, but to have that refusal translate into real action. And I think that's what democracy means. We all have an opportunity to have our say in how the world we inhabit operates. I would like to suggest, rather than trying to create an opt-out world where he has a line-item veto on every rule he doesn't like, Gordon work on strengthening democracy so his no or his yes actually works to create the world he wants to live in. Or, just in case democracy isn't his thing, there is another political philosophy that gives 100% respect to each individual's ability to consent or refuse to any rule, and that's called anarchy. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to the volunteers who helped gather clips to make the show possible, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you'd like to leave a comment or question of your own to be played on the show, the number to dial is 202-999-3991. And a special treat for you today, uh, don't get your hopes up, but I know what the next episode's going to be about, which is not normal. Not that you would know that, but I'm just telling you, it's not normal for me to know this far in advance what the next episode will be. Um, but today I do, and I'll tell you so that you can, if you like, pre-act to it rather than just reacting to it. Uh, and I, I just thought it, it seemed too fitting after today's episodes about you know Christians trying to use religion to discriminate against gay people, especially through businesses, that the next obvious episode should be about reproductive justice in which Christians are trying to use religion to discriminate against women through their healthcare policies through businesses. So that'll be the next episode. That, and that'll be at least one of the topics covered. It might be a little more varied than that. 
Uh, but if you have thoughts on that issue, I would love to hear from you guys now uh, to include with the episode as it goes out. So that number again, 202-999-3991. And that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making one-time donations, as that is absolutely how the program survives. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it, leaving glowing reviews in iTunes and Stitcher, and by donating your accounts at donateyouraccount.com slash left. Stay tuned into the show by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information can always be found in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of Left podcast coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. And it's a crying shame how we get so trained We can't see past our sad stories And wonder what we're missing We can't see past our sad stories And forget how to listen We can't see past our